Welcome to Sense and Sustainability, your podcast channel for sustainable procurement. We hope you like what you hear. Please go to www.iso2400.org for more information, learning resources, tools and much more. Hello everybody, I'm Sean McCarthy, I'm the Director of Action Sustainability. This is podcast one of a series of five podcasts where we're talking about the, the issues around human rights and supply chains around the world. I'm delighted to introduce Sally Screw, who's going to be talking to you about the legal framework for human rights and business. And I'm very excited today because I've been trying to get these two people in a virtual room for about six months to talk about human rights and all issues related to to human rights. So I'm going to talk very little because I think we're hearing from two real experts and uh, and leaders in the field, but from very different perspectives. So without further ado, I'll ask them to introduce themselves rather than than me doing it. So Elise, would you like to just tell us who you are, what you do, and a little bit about your background? I'm a human rights lawyer. I started my career as a public defender, so my specialty was criminal law and and really a public defender in uh, in criminal law for many years. I was also involved in the creation of the International Criminal Court, so I became a specialist in international criminal law. But now I work more as a human rights lawyer for the last 10 years, and especially in business and human rights, which is a new field of practice, which is now officially recognized uh, in the legal classification by chambers and partners and other big law firms. So it is a real field of practice, which kind of marries different fields of law. We can get back to that. And I'm also an international mediator. I'm a member of Nine Bedford Row in London. So I think that's a connection to the UK that's worthy of mention. And I am a lawyer licensed in France, in Canada, and also I'm a legal consultant with the New York Bar. So, Elise, can you expand a little on what you said about the, the way that legal frameworks are shaping up uh, around the world around this issue? It's, you know, it's now human rights are now a kind of a, a part of the legal structure. How's that going? What's what's happening in, in your world? I'm going to just step back a little bit. I mean, my, my passion has always been social justice. And when I started looking at issues of corporate liability, I first focus on conflict-affected areas and war zones because of my work in international criminal law, which is, of course, the, 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 the code for armed conflict. And I started noticing that, I mean, companies were fueling conflict willingly or not, knowingly or not, but that became a real subject of interest to me. And I kept telling different actors. I was invited to give a lot of talk on this issue of corporate liability in conflict-affected areas. And each time I would bring the issue of human rights, I mean, you know, they would like brush it off. This is not our concern. This is state's concern. We don't have anything to do with that. And at the same time, as John Ruggie was building his framework, that was in the year 2000s, he came out with the framework in 2011. It was endorsed at the UN Council for Human Rights unanimously in June 2011. So it's been 12 years almost. And I was looking for an angle to tell my colleagues in corporate law, mostly lawyers, why human rights mattered. And I mean, I, I, they, would, they keep telling me it's soft law, it doesn't matter, it doesn't apply to us, we're only concerned about the black letter of the law. So I started writing 
I started writing articles to, I mean, I had written articles before, but on this. So I, I started a series of articles. We discussed it when we met Sean about the normative universe and how fast it was evolving and how fast it was growing and how interconnected it was. So I wrote a first article on globalization and the new French law in French that was published in Paris with a law professor in France. And then I brought it back to Washington with me and spoke to Mitt Reagan, who's a law professor emeritus in, uh, in that university, Georgetown Law Center. And I said, Mitt, we need to write something in English for an Anglo-American public on the French law, which is pretty new, pretty demanding. It came right after the Modern Slavery Act, but it was going further. And then I said, we need to make people understand why it does apply to them. It's not just soft law with no application. So Mid and I conceived that, that framework of that galaxy of norm, and we classified the different norms, and we showed the interconnection between the le different levels of liability. And because this is not a legal podcast, I'm going to try to simplify, but what we demonstrated is that soft law transits back into hard law through these norms of conduct that have been imposed both by the UN and the OECD. So you have the, the five rings are as follows. We have hard law, which is the core. I mean, everything that's prohibited by labor laws and by criminal law. Then we have reporting, and reporting is also a legal norm in the field of modern slavery. And then the third circle is the norm of conduct. And so it's duty of care, and it's all the jurisprudence, and it's where everything is melting or melted or transformed. And then in, in the fourth ring, we have contracts, codes of conduct, industrial standards. And in the fifth ring, we have soft law all the international law of norms. And we show that through these, these new instruments, OECD and UNGPs, judges started using them in their, in their interpretation of norms and contracts. And we have multiple examples now. So as they are interpreting them, it's coming back into hard law. And we place the French law on due diligence, which is a law on process, in the third ring and also in the first ring. So, I mean, it's it's an evolution of norms and standards that are becoming more and more mandatory. And I can give you an interesting example because I was just in Japan. Japan just adopted voluntary guidance in September 2022, which are quite demanding, but they're voluntary. But again, if you look at the Japanese culture, Mandatory, I mean, voluntary in Japan is not the same thing as voluntary in our culture. And I did meet the minister in charge of that. Very interestingly, he's the former minister of defense, and he's now in charge of human rights with the prime minister for the implementation of all that. But the point I'm trying to make is that now Japanese are considering putting in their procurement laws and contracts that companies have to respect human rights. Again, it's not mandatory with a law, but it's a requirement of the Japanese government, and they hope it will eventually become mandatory at all levels. So that is an interesting process that shows the evolution of these norms and the commitment of some government in that, um, in that space. 
there was a gentleman from India at that event that I was invited to, and he says, I wish Modi had this kind of advisor next to him to move the needle because they've been talking in India about doing something for a couple of years and it's just staying stuck. I think that illustrates the, uh, the, the evolution and we call it a galaxy because we're trying to show that there is a gravitational force between all these norms that are kind of developing together in a very wide space in different countries, different regions at the same time and they influence each other. The best proof, Modern Slavery Act 2015 and um, French law, March 2017. So a year, not even a year and a half between the two laws. <laughs> a really good explanation of what's an incredibly complex yeah. legal framework. Thank you very much, Elise. That was an absolutely amazing perspective on globally how legislation is developing and what's likely to happen in the future. I hope you all enjoyed this podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast on Sense and Sustainability. Please listen out for more episodes. For more information, learning resources, tools and much more content on sustainable procurement, go to www.iso2400.org.